Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is one that I believe will benefit parents of teens going off to college, or really off to any next step after high school. It's all about taking proactive steps to help ensure your teen or young adult is equipped and empowered to succeed in their next chapter. I connected with my guest, Carol Ben Davies, through her post in a parenting Facebook group where we're both members, and I knew I had to have her on the show. As a society, we are so focused on making sure our kids get into college and on figuring out how we'll pay for it that we spend very little time thinking about what happens after our kids get there. Are they set up for success? Are they prepared for what lies ahead? Do they have a plan in place if things go off the rails? Carol shares wisdom and insight from her time on the inside in both college admissions and student life. Carol's actionable advice for parents can mean the difference between staying in school and dropping out. Our conversation is packed full of helpful tips, so let's get started. Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you. This is going to be a really interesting, timely, and relevant conversation, especially for parents who are getting ready to send kids off to college. Although a lot, I think, of what we talk about will be for college students, but also for life in general. But before we dig into the details of that, would you mind giving a quick introduction to my audience, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Hello, audience. My name is Carol Ben Davies. I'm the CEO of College Bound Determination. And we exist because for years I worked in universities, big, small, private, public. And I did admissions and leadership and all these different areas that were kind of fun. The the fun stuff you think about when you are planning for college, um, all the wonderful aspects of the collegiate experience. And then I had an opportunity to go to another side. I call it, it's like literally pulling back the curtain. Um, I was myself very shocked to experience the challenges students had academically, socially, emotionally, financially. And it was the same conversations over and over again. And it really just touched my heart. One, because I had just had a kid. (laughs) And for years, I had been this helicopter parent basher, like, oh, I cannot believe these parents are in my office and calling. And what is wrong with these parents? And When I had my girls, I was like, oh my God, I feel so bad. So my business really is an apology to those parents. And (laughs) it's really a a, a warning, um, a resource, because there's so much we don't know that we're not told about the collegiate experience, how to plan and prepare for college. And that's what I do. I help students plan for the entire college journey, not just on how to get in and how to pay for it. That's what we see so often, right? But what happens when you get there? And I had that opportunity to work on the wonderful side of what happens when they get there with our student leaders, uh, fraternity and sorority life, our students whose names are in like bronze on, on plaques on the campus. And then I had a chance to work with students who were struggling, really struggling. Um, and the toll that it took on them mentally, the toll that it took on their families, 
And what happens that we don't talk about are what I tried to do. And so I know we met <laughs> because I posted something um, and it was just a little contrary to what everyone is talking about right now, because all these class of 2021, hopefully planning to be part of class of 2025, they're not talking about all the things that might happen. And I pray that the things that I often think to does not happen to their kid. But unfortunately, because I've had so many experiences, I go there first (laughs) because I'd rather you be prepared and not need it. But if you need it, you know what's going to happen. You know how to plan strategically around what are the common college pitfalls. Okay. I love you already. And we haven't even gotten into this conversation. (laughs) You, You had me at, they spend all their time choosing a college and how to pay for it, but nobody talks about what happens once they get there. And I've done a couple episodes on failure to launch. And when your college kid comes home and not after graduating, and it is an epidemic, it's happening all over. And I love that your approach is proactive. Let's get there and let's get in front of them before they get there. And that it's, you know, surviving the whole experience. So and, and yeah, just to go back and you just mentioned the Facebook post. I was reading <laughs> reading your post and I was like cheering out loud. Then I, of course, reached out to you because I'm like, yeah. well, there's some common sense that we all need a big fat dose of. So where to begin? Well, you had quoted me some stats. How about if we start with some stats about what's happening, graduation rates, outcomes, all that kind of stuff? Because I think we don't spend enough time on that, right? A lot of this is so emotionally centered for parents, right? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that I'm trying to be proactive and I will tell you that it's a little hard to do that. Mm. There's nothing in many of these students' experiences that would let a parent think that their kid could be the one going through any number of the, the challenges that I help students through. Right. So if your kid has always been from kindergarten, like my daughter, doing well academically, doing well socially, emotionally, They've made great grades all the way through high school and they get into college because everyone told them these are things I need to do. And then they get there and they struggle. Nothing could have prepared you for that because in your mind, you're thinking they did it. We did it all. We bought the house in the, you know, the best school district. We put them in all the great activities so that they can have something to put on their, you know, application. Right. Um, So that's the challenge because so many people are like, well, that's not going to happen to me. You know, that's not going to happen to my kid. And as I mentioned, I really hope and I always when I do talk to parents and and we don't you know, work together, I literally I pray that what I'm trying to prevent doesn't happen to them. And when it doesn't, I am cheering them on. But when it does happen, I often wonder what could we have done? to have been more diligent in preventing that. And so, yeah, the statistics, they're there. No one's hiding this information. Um, Unfortunately, you don't really think about it. I remember when I did admissions and a parent would ask me what the graduation rates are for the school. I would always say our six-year graduation rate is blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's what we say. I hear this a lot, six-year graduation rate. Does anybody say to you, what about the four-year graduation rate? You know, they never did. They like never when did. did, when, did six, <laughs> when did six years become the norm? Well, I think the, well, 
I will say that for statistical purposes, the government asks institutions to provide the six-year graduation rate. So um, that's where that comes from. But if you look at the four-year graduation rate for many institutions, it's not that strong. It's very Mm -hmm. low. It's like in the 40%, right? Mm -hmm. It gets better at the six-year graduation rate. So of course, you're going to want to share that number, (laughs) right? right? But no parent, no student that I know of is planning right now, part of the class of 2021, like I mentioned, to be part of any other class but 2025, Mm -hmm. right? They are planning for four years. And that doesn't happen for far too many students. Far right. too many. The the statistics, you know, um, the in the U.S., the overall dro- uh, dropout rate for undergraduate college students is forty percent, with wow. approximately thirty percent of college freshmen dropping out before their sophomore year. Wow, thirty percent before 30, sophomore year. Thirty percent, and I, I just because of the experiences that I've had. I truly do believe that much of it could be prevented. Yeah. It really could be prevented. A lot of what I experience with students is, you know, if you were like my parents, you know, I didn't have a choice. You know, college was where I was going to go. That was what the next step was, right? But for some students, and I actually saw it in a a Facebook post today, and I was just like, red flags. You know, the student has missed um, signing up for things. They've missed appointments. They're not really excited about this. You know, and I'm just like, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. If you're doing more of the driving of the process, instead of being on the passenger side of this experience, that's a red flag because you need to be internally motivated to go through college life. It is not all fun and games. <laughs> that's what we mm-hmm. that's what we see. A lot of students will say, oh, I went to the campus. I went to the basketball and football games. So I thought I knew what campus and college life was about. Like um, Saturday games on uh, football games on Saturday and Tuesday, Thursday basketball games or whatever the case may be. That is not college. You don't see the students who are in the library on Friday nights. I remember being in this um, um, building on campus and these two students were in this building on a Friday night doing this ridiculously hard looking uh, problem. And I was just like, can I just take a picture of you all? (laughs) Because I don't think (laughs) students think that this will be their life, right? They think, oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to all the parties. And for some students who don't know how to balance academic and um, social life, they, they may fall on the far end of partying way too much. And that's where you have students who end up on academic probation or academically dropped. If they didn't want to be there, and they were the parents were always the ones to wake them up to go to, to school to remind them of when assignments were due. Mom and dad are not going to be there with you. So and true. we would we would get calls from parents who were rather upset with us because we would not go into their child's room and force them to go to class. Are you kidding me? People actually expected you to go in there and nudge their kid to get to class? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I work. So let me back up and kind of share where I worked and what my role yeah, was. Well, yeah, so let's that, go back. Was, so my, my, my role in this particular office um, that I'm talking about was in the office of the dean of students. I served as assistant dean of students. And in this particular office, students were directed for to come to us for support. Um, and they were directed by their parents, 
by faculty, by other staff, and sometimes even their friends. And so I heard it and saw it all. And I bet. it doesn't get talked about, you know, in these groups. And I get so much pushback because I remember this one parent was really just kind of like, I cannot believe that a student who has um, taken all these rigorous courses and has been prepared um, will will not do well academically. And and I'm just like, but I but I saw it every day. And just because it didn't happen to your kid or your neighbor doesn't mean it's not happening. And even if it doesn't happen to your kid, you don't know what impact another child's experience has on your kid. Because if your child is the leader that students are looking up to, like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? How are you getting all these great grades? How are you making friends so easily? People are drawn to that. And sometimes these students are so good hearted, they take on way too much responsibility. They are serving like a, as their friend's therapist. You know, mm-hmm. I remember seeing this uh, this post and it said, I don't need a, a therapist. I have a best friend. No, mm-hmm. no. I remember I had to fire my husband as my therapist and get a real <laughs> therapist, you know, because he is not prepared and trained to help me through the things that I needed that I needed help through. Right. right. And, and so a lot of a lot of that happens. <laughs> a lot of that happens. Yes. Parents calling um, this one woman. Oh, my gosh. She called and she was very upset with us. She could not get through to her child. And we know typically it's just because, you know, you don't want to talk to mom every day. You don't want to talk yep. to dad every day. You got things going on. And she was trying to reach her child and could not. And so she called our office. And we, we didn't give her a satisfying answer. So she wanted to talk to my supervisor. And so she even yelled at the supervisor. So we went ahead and did a well-being check. And what that means is we'll send either an, a resident assistant or even um, our campus police just to make sure that everything is okay, right? We want to mm-hmm. take every concern seriously, but we do know that most times everything is okay. And turned out the student just didn't have, they, they were doing something else in the room, totally fine. And the officer was just like, please call your mother. <laughs> how, and uh, how humiliating for that student. I mean, oh, my, mine would be livid. Like, you well, really, you got the police to come knocking on my door? Well, well, let me tell you, there was this one time when a parent came from overseas because their child was not responding to any text message. So they flew over? They flew all the way from Asia to my institution (laughs) and was in my office and was showing me all the text messages that were going unresponded. And we were like, okay. And we found the student and they came to the office. And I remember the look on this student's face. And I just looked at him like, Dude, all you had to do was call your mom back. (laughs) Like, that's all you have to do, right? But can you imagine you have been with your child? Like, this is where my empathy comes in. You have been with your child every day since they were born. Mm -hmm. You know everything they're doing. You have Mm -hmm. a sense of, okay, they're in school right now. They're at this activity. They're with this friend, right? And then all of a sudden you send them across, even if it's in the same city, (laughs) even if it's in the same state, you send them where you can't get access to them. And if let's just say I'm a huge mental health advocate, let's just say you yourself deals with anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. 
the, the thoughts that folks with anxiety have and the, 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 the worst case scenarios that come into your mind about what could be going on does not serve many individuals, right? So I can totally understand and empathize with why a parent would want to make sure their kid is okay if they are not responding back to them. Mm-hmm. But that's where communication comes in, right? So I remember back in the day, and I went to school in the 90s, um, and so we didn't have cell phones and all that, but we had a thing where we would call on Sundays. Sundays were our day to call home. And right. that was when the AT&T rates were cheapest, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> and so we called home on Sunday. That is still something that we do till this day. Like if I don't call my mom and dad on Sunday, and now they don't want to talk to me, they want to talk to their grandkids. But that is just something that we do. And if I don't call on Sunday, my dad will call like, hey, what's going on? You know, it's Sunday. I haven't heard from you. Like, but we talked yesterday, daddy, but it's just that habit, right? It's that, yeah. that we have said that we are going to talk to each other as a family on Sunday. And so, you know, have that so that you you you, you don't have these freak out moments, you know, that open that line of communication about how often, how frequently, what method that really does help. And you don't have to travel all the way. <laughs> That's really great advice to have a an agreed upon communication strategy, like whether it's going to be once a week, once every two weeks, whatever day of the week, whatever. But yeah. yeah. And this is a note to my kids who are not at college yet. If you don't call (laughs) me. Be warned. (laughs) And then even today, I see like a a lot of parents have those apps where they're having conversations of like, what app are you using to check in on your kid? I think that's very invasive. You know, I wouldn't have wanted that for me you know, and I'm sure no parents would have wanted that for themselves. But why is it today we feel so, you know, we have that liberty of, you know, sort of not letting these students be and make Mm. the mistakes that they need to make and grow. And, you know, your job should be to like fire yourself, right? Right. (laughs) Exactly. You know, still be there, you know, don't, don't burn Mm -hmm. the bridge, you know, but they should, they should be independent enough. You should have done what, you know, you needed to do. And unfortunately, I don't think that how we talk about preparing for college gives students or parents that 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 um, confidence that they've done everything they could have done, you know, yeah. even on the small level of, you know, not knowing how to do laundry to the not being able to schedule appointments on their own not being able to advocate for themselves because mom is always there, dad is always there fighting their battles. You need to give them that opportunity to do those things now when you're in their presence. I mean, when they learn to drive or ride a bike, you're right there. You're beside them. You're behind them, right? And then you both kind of get this confidence level of, okay, I can trust if you're going to go on a road trip. You know, you're fine. But we don't have that same opportunity with this huge, important transition in these students' lives. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, somebody said that to me years ago. They're like, if you do your job well, when it's time for them to leave, they'll be ready to leave and you'll be ready to let them go because you'll know that they're equipped and prepared for the real world. Yeah. But I, you're right. It's like we spend so much time on find the right school, find the right school, mm-hmm. whatever that yeah. is, and whatever how are we going to pay is. for it? Yeah. I'm Anne Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. 
In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. All right, so let's talk about some of the other pitfalls and, and some actionable advice or steps you have for parents. Yeah, so I think the other thing is you need to know your child. I see so often people getting advice from these random strangers about where should my child go to school? You know, what major should my child go into? And I'm just like, this is the reason, to give you another statistics, 80% of students will change their major at least once. 80%. You have students who have selected an institution because of of a particular major that they may change. And does that make any sense? Right. When there are tools out there, there there's many resources to help students understand themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. What is going to be the right fit for me? Right. Right. What is that right career path? What is that right major? What is it? What is the big problem in this world that I want to solve? And how can I do that? Those random people don't know your kid. You, which, why are you getting advice from them? Right? I totally agree you know, with that. Unless, unless they're professionals, you know, I, you know, and then I want to listen to professionals because what do you know, you know? And even more information is oftentimes, and Gallup did a, a I'm a Gallup gal, and they do a lot of research. And there was a, a report that I read where they talked about where students get advice for their majors. And it's often from family members and but they said the best advice would be from people who are working in the in particular fields of interest. So that would be like job shadowing opportunities, um, uh, interviewing, um, job interviewing um, individuals. Um, it's a, it's amazing to me how many people will say, I want to be an X, Y, and Z and have no idea what the, that means. Oh my and gosh, you're speaking, we, you're speaking my language. Yeah. We, I talk about this on the podcast all the time yeah. and do it in my training too. It's like, you need to at least know what the day to day is. Yeah, the title. Yeah. The title doesn't tell you anything oh, no. about what the actual job not, is. Not at all. Not at all. Was, um, we we need to think about our kids, what their strengths are, and guide them towards that. Right. right. Um, right. And 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 be very open to all the different career paths that exist out there. Um, because I will tell you so many students I talked to who ended up changing their major from, let's say, engineering, um, were told, oh, you should do engineering because you're good at math. Mm-hmm. And how many career paths, how many majors out there would math be a great foundation for that student? But it doesn't have to be engineering. And then they get right. there and then they flunk out. Or they their GPA is shot. And I mean, it's just like all this spiral of, you know, wow, if you had just gotten a little bit of clarity on where you should be looking, because, you know, there's this thing that I can't stand that people say like, oh, go to college and you'll find yourself. I hate that advice. I, I hate that advice. Me too. <laughs> you are my people. You are my people. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous because... Um, I truly believe that what you need to do is go to college to refine yourself. You're like a diamond. That's good. That's good. I'm going to quote you on that. (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, you need to go and refine yourself and, and, you know, 
um, there's so many different majors that, that exist out there. If you do these various um, assessments, uh, self-exploration activities, you can kind of take this big ocean of majors that exist out there and at least narrow it down to a small pond. Yep. You know, that makes much more sense for the type of work you want to do, who you want to do it with, the 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 climate, you know, all those things matter. Um, and we don't think through that. And right. because we don't, we make very costly mistakes. Right. So very you're right, costly. costly. Yeah. Time, effort. And money. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when, you know, that's how you add extra, you know, a year or two onto your college experience. When you go to college and try to find yourself and you're picking all these different majors that may or may not count towards your graduation. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then um, that's extra money. That's more tuition. If you have an apartment, that's apartment, (laughs) extra time in the apartment that you have to pay for rent and utilities and all of that. It's lost income. Yeah. I mean, talk about stress and just let's talk about mental health. Speaking of stress, because you and I talked about this when we chatted last time and, and it is an enormous challenge right now. Yeah. Not just for college students, but for young everybody, people. Well, everybody. And old people. Yeah. Everybody. It's just um, been a very trying time. But you, you do some pretty amazing work with regard to suicide prevention training. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and offer any advice that you have for parents too. Well, I just want parents to understand that our your kids are going through a lot. I mean, even before the pandemic, <laughs> life was hard. Yeah. Right. And it's even it's been even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the isolation, um, the uncertainty about everything. Um, So we need to be more attuned to the mental health of everyone around you, especially Mm -hmm. your kids, right? Right. And so there are a number of resources and they're also not enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I see that a lot where parents are trying to get resources for their child and it's just, they just get um, so many obstacles, So as a country, we need to do better. We need to do better. But we have to think about how can we, there's something and some therapists use and it's called coping ahead. And what that basically is, is being prepared for any of of, of the stresses that might be coming into your life and having like a game plan of how you're going to navigate that. Mm. And that's why it's really important for parents to think beyond just how to pay for college and how to get them in because they need to know. It was so I would we would joke in my office with the students that were in my office. We would joke, but we're just like college is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, no one told me, you Mm -hmm. know, they didn't have to study in high school. They've had the same friends since kindergarten. How do you make friends again? Right. And so many of them think, oh, I want to be as far away from my friends. Everyone in my high school goes to X, Y, Z school. I don't want to go there. I want to go cross country until they understand what that means. Like you don't have anyone, you know. Right. Like having them think through, okay, if I am in that situation, how am I going to make friends? How how am I going to reach out? 
what are the resources on this campus in this community that I can take advantage of when I start feeling overwhelmed? Because the statistics are really scary in terms of how many students feel overwhelmed and, and have anxiety and feel sense of, of loneliness. Those are the things I would talk about. And at my previous institution, I helped coordinate our suicide prevention initiative. And it was through the um, QPR Institute. And they teach like QPR, like CPR, um, mm. trying to help people notice the, the signs and, and the clues early so that you can do some intervention and get people help when they need it because suicide is very preventable if people get the help that they need. Um, and so what we found, what I found on the campus was the more people who were aware of the, the signs and the clues, and they brought that to the attention of the campus, brought that to the attention of even the parent, there was more that could be done to mm. um, bolster that student to get support and help. And so it's creating the community and some schools are, are great at that and some are not and some are still working on it but it's really up to the parent to you talking you're talking to your child and you notice a, a difference in their tone you see them and what was so um unfortunate was many parents didn't see their kids again after dropping them off in august until november until Thanksgiving time. Mm -hmm. And that's when they notice a drastic change in their appearance. It could be they gained a lot of weight. It could be they got thinner. Um, their disposition just changed. Their attitude changed. And as a parent, you can't see that on a daily basis. So you, you want to know who is in your child's circle. Um, but I will also warn, and now that I don't work for an institution, I will come and... <laughs> I'm putting fists up <laughs> because yeah. what, what, what has happened um, is parents may start to blame those around them for causing their child's stress. Um, mm -hmm. And I had too many conversations about, about that. And I, and I thought that was unfortunate. So don't abuse that relationship, that access that the child's friend has given you. See a partnership. Like my friends have my parents' phone number. You know, we have like a, a tree that has our, our family's um, cell phone numbers, our addresses, spouses' numbers in case of emergency. Having something like that is very important. There's a lot of conversation, and I didn't understand why it was going on until I started getting into the social media space, but power of attorney, that's, that sounds great. That's, that's very needed, yes. But what's more important is that your university has an emergency contact because in case of an emergency, you don't want there to be a delay. And for, for, I mean, for a long time, it would, it would be hard to find who that person, who that emergency contact was until the university did some proactive measures and made it where you kind of forced the students to enter in emergency contact information. They prevented students from registering for classes <laughs> uh, until wow. they added that information in because unfortunately I had the experience of being on a 24-hour um, on-call team and there would be calls at two o'clock in the morning and they needed to have, you know, who's, you know, what's the emergency contact information um, for a parent next of kin type of situation. So um, I, that, that's a lot of information, probably more than than what you were asking. But the big thing is to, is to, to have readily available the resources, um, because when you're in a panic situation, you don't really think very clearly. And it's very common for people to lash out. And, and that's OK. I remember being on the brunt of a lot of 
angry, angry calls, have the suicide line in your phone. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Have the crisis text line available. That number is, um, you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. What are the um, local hospitals in your child's area? You know, have that information, um, have that address. Make sure that they have, if you want to have a, a sign a HIPAA waiver with that hospital, do that. Like that, those things are much more important than having and drawing up these power of attorneys. And that piece often is missing. And and have contact information um, so that you have it readily available. Put it in your phone, put it in their phone. Um, I've called the suicide prevention number because I was worried about someone else and they were so helpful and so friendly. Um, mm. I was I was like, wow, if I were in a crisis, I, I'm so glad that this is what I would have received. Well, and having the conversation, the, the conversations up front with yeah. your kids before they go to college, exactly what you're talking about. Like, what are you going to do if this happens? And yeah. I can imagine yeah. many kids are like, I'm fine. I'm good, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And but, everyone thinks they're fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and sort of going back to the mental health piece, um, what often is missing is that candid conversation um, with the mm-hmm. family. So I remember my parents telling me, Carol, you need to watch out for salt because high blood pressure is something that, that is in mm-hmm. our family. Right now, did that stop me from eating McDonald's fries? No, but they warned <laughs> me. Right, it's not. It's, right. it's like that. No one told me. Right, but yeah. So having that conversation about is there any mental health history? Okay. Because what typically happens is they don't start to present themselves until eighteen to twenty-four. So that's when mm-hmm. they're away. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. you may think, oh, my child hasn't had you know any any mental health, mental health issues. Okay, that doesn't mean they're not, right? You know, and since we don't talk about how to manage and cope with stress, because a lot of stuff that they teach you in therapy, therapy should be taught um, at the elementary level of how to yeah. calm down, how to reframe all those things. <laughs> those are life skills. It doesn't. I mean, therapy just sounds so daunting, and 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 I had such a hard time often trying to get students to go to therapy because there's such a stigma. But I would always explain mm-hmm. if you if you didn't have your glasses, could you see? You would go and get glasses. If you had a wound on your knee, right? You would go and get it fixed and looked at. Why are we disregarding the most important organ in our brain, in our body, the brain, right? And not giving it the attention that it needs. But having that conversation so that they are privy and they know in advance that what they're going through is not they're not going, I hate that word, but crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they already have mental health, maybe it's ADHD, maybe it's um, depression, um, anxiety, bipolar disorder. If they already have those those conditions, it is in your best interest as a parent to make sure that they have the resources available at their school And I would even say to bypass the school because the schools will give a certain number of free therapy and then they have to refer the student to another resource. Bypass that. If you already know, work with your therapist now to find someone that's going to be in that child's community that they can get access to, you know, easily. So they don't have a car. Is it on the bus system? You know, if they don't use a bus, can they do um, telehealth? like something because if you you already know that they that they have this 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 history 
And then you're putting them in this situation that is foreign, that's already stressful by itself. College is stressful. Mm -hmm. That's why I told students, college is stressful by itself. And then you have all these other things that happen and it just compounds. And then for those individuals, that's where that, that suicide prevention piece, when you have all these things kind of compounding, you just feel at a loss and a fog. You don't think clearly. Oftentimes sleep is the first thing to stop happening and that is not good, right? Right. So, you know, those those things, if you know, if they they were bullied, if they um didn't handle peer pressure well, if they didn't have time management skills, if they don't know how to organize, um, if they have a, a what we call a fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset when it comes to failure, like those things, you know, romantic relationships. One of the re- one of the top reasons, unfortunately, that many students will, um, or young people rather, will um, try to take their life by suicide is because of a loss of a relationship. Wow, you know, um, and it's the first, it's their first one, and they just think they'll never find another love like the one that they had, and they, they don't think very clearly, and so they make some very drastic decisions. And so having that conversation, talking about drugs and alcohol. I mean, I was one of those people that Nancy Reagan's campaign, Just Say No, <laughs> that worked for me. That worked very well for me. I mean, I hear her in my voice. I mean, in my head, when I see drugs and alcohol around, I'm just like, mm, just say no, <laughs> you know, um, but, not, but that's not enough for some people, right? That's right. not enough. You right. need to have a conversation with young people and the right. decisions that they, they make and the situations that they find themselves in. And it can be fun, but it can also be very disastrous. And we saw a lot of that too. Wow, this is so helpful. So we covered so much and lots of great insights from the inside and advice for parents. You are a wealth of information and I'm really oh, grateful you. you spent the time. I'm sure oh. people are going to want to reach out to you. So what's the best place for them to find and follow you? They can follow me on all the social media, primarily Instagram at Carol Ben Davies. Um, I'm also Carol Ben Davies on uh, my business page on Facebook, but you can also find me at www.carolbendavies.com and that's C-A-R-O-L-B as in boy, E-N, D as in dog, A V is in Victor, I-E-S dot com. So great. I will put all those links in the show notes so people can okay. just click easily. All right. Um, but thank you again for being here. I really, I think you're going to add a lot of value and bring a lot of comfort in some way to some parents who might be feeling anxious about this. And now they kind of have a plan to yeah. get their kids ready to go. Have a game plan. That's all you need. Is It's as simple as that. Have a game plan. What are you going to do if, how can I assist them through all of that? But don't go into it thinking that it's not going to happen because that's when it's the worst. Mm. That's when it just hurts more than than it already hurts. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. As a parent of a rising high school senior, I learned so much from my conversation with Carol. I hope you did too. It's so easy to get caught up in the journey to college that we may not put enough focus on the journey through college. We all want our kids to enjoy their time in college, to learn and grow and thrive as they transition into the real world. And while we all want to believe that our kid will be just fine, there's simply no guarantee. I'm grateful to Carol for sharing her experience and insight 
so we can help our kids avoid the common pitfalls that might happen in college. Thanks so much for tuning in today. As always, I'm grateful that you're listening, and I'd really appreciate it if you would follow or subscribe to the High School Hamster Wheel podcast in your favorite podcast player. I welcome your feedback, and I'd love to hear any ideas you have for future episodes. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash 88, where I will include all links mentioned during this episode. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.